Today on Awaken to Grace, we're in part two of a sermon called A Hunger for Righteousness out of Matthew chapter 5. I hope that today really helps you in your walk with the Lord. And if if this sermon, as well as other sermons, are speaking into your life, if it's helping you grow in God's Word, if it's helping you grow in your walk with the Lord, well, I'd love to hear about it. Even though I'm a blind pastor, my AI device reads all of my emails to me. So when you send me an email, not only will I have the ability to hear it, but I also can respond personally. I would love for you to drop me an email this week. My email address is very simple, Roberts at gmail.com. I'd love to know where you're listening from and how these sermons are helping you in your spiritual life. Our goal is to provide spiritual growth for everyday life. And if we're helping do that for you, we'd love to know about it. Well, let's get to our sermon today as we're studying Matthew chapter 5 on how to hunger after righteousness. all of his gaining, in all of his accumulating. Today, were it not owned by Elvis, but it was owned by a normal average person, it would be pure junk. Don't measure by what you accumulate. Don't measure by... See, this is exactly why Jesus said... A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus said that. And so often we compare our lives. We measure our lives by the wrong standards. Jesus says, you want to measure your life in the perception of God? Count yourself as poor in spirit. You may have many things. You may have many assets. You may have the things in life that you aimed for, but you should still be poor in spirit. And you may not have anything today. You may be in the building today without anything to your name. But if you're poor in spirit, Jesus would say to you, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Notice verse, the next verse, 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, is Jesus talking about Christians should always be sad? <laughs> we should always, we should walk around every day like we've just attended a funeral? Is that what he's saying? No. No. Because again, joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about an internal look at ourselves. And you know what Jesus is saying? Blessed are those who can weep over their sin. Blessed are those who mourn over the condition of sin. The Puritans, who are one of the most fascinating historical groups of people to ever study. I learn more from the Puritans than I do from any other Christians of any other age. It was said of the Puritans that they were the doctors of the soul, and indeed they were. My all-time favorite book in my library, the book that has spoken to me more so than any book other than the Bible, is a collection of Puritan prayers, and it's called The Valley of Vision. And oh, what a book. It was the Puritans who taught the eyes were created for two things. 
for seeing and for weeping. And they would say, a man does not weep over his sins until he first sees his sin. Friends, have you ever seen the state of sin of your life? Have you ever seen the offense that you are to an almighty God? Have you ever seen what your sin means in the perception of God Almighty? Jesus says, for those who care enough that they will take that perception, for those of you who will take that inventory, for those of you that will come into that area, he says, blessed are those, for they shall be comforted. Now follow the logic of Jesus. We first see ourselves as spiritually bankrupt. We see that we're poor in spirit. And Jesus says, okay, you, you want to have that perception? Then yours will be the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> and then you won't worry about the things of life because you'll enjoy the things of the kingdom. He says, okay, second, you see your sin. You see it for what it is. You weep over your sin. You see it for what it is. Well, guess what? You'll enjoy the comforting of God. The forgiveness of the Father. Some of you are guilty today. You feel guilt. You feel shame. You feel condemned. No, my friends. You see your sin. You confess your sin. Let me tell you what you'll have. You'll have the comfort of God Almighty. For the Bible says, even if our hearts condemn us, 1 John 3, 19. Even if our hearts condemn us, verse 19 and 20. God is greater than our hearts. And he'll comfort the sinner. Amen? Next, notice what he says. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And then, verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This is another thing that modern day Christians don't understand. We think of meekness as very weak, right? Somebody just real weak and, you know, doesn't doesn't say very much and doesn't raise their voice. No. Do you know what meek actually means? And the Bible says Moses was the meekest man to ever walk the earth. Do you know what the word meek literally means? Power under control. It means to be able to control yourself. It means to have humility in your life. It means you are a humble person. That means when somebody offends you, you don't burst out. As a matter of fact, Pastor Eric read the scripture earlier out of Philippians 4 where it says, let your reasonableness be known to all. Do you know what the word for reasonableness there is? It is maturity. It is the right attitude. It actually means not to lose control. Meek, power, under control. Are you someone that you can control your emotions? If you're not, you should be. Christ will help you with that. Are you someone that you just outburst? No, that's wrong, my friends. In my counseling office, I've had many people try to justify their outburst. And the number one justification that people try to give for their... You know, people, pe- people make two mistakes. Either they stuff everything down and they bottle everything up or they just explode and then they're over it three seconds later. Both are wrong. 
Both is the wrong reaction. Reasonableness is about having the right reaction. The mature reaction. And you know what I tell people who claim, they say, well, you know, I explode, but then I'm over it in three seconds and then everything's fine. You know what I tell those people? A hurricane only lasts a few seconds. But look at the calamity it leaves. Look at the destruction. Look at the debris. And when you outburst like that, do you know what debris you're causing in your children? Do you know what debris you're leaving in your marriage? Or in your work environment? Let me tell you, emotional outburst has no place in the life of a believer. You should be able to control yourself. That's meekness, power under control. It's a level of humility. It's a level of humbleness. And Jesus says, so watch, so again, watch the logic. If someone is poor in spirit, they're not haughty. They don't feel as though their life is everything. They don't, their life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. They don't gripe over what they don't have. They're not in that they're not full of ingratitude and ungratefulness. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, those who see their sinful state for what it is. They can see it, they can confess it, and therefore they can repent from it and turn from it and change. For they be comforted. And then blessed are the meek, those who are humble. Those who walk humble lives. If I'm poor in spirit, I'm going to be humble. If I mourn over my sin, I'm going to be humble. And then all of this leads us down to our real text, verse number 6. Now, watch how all this makes sense. When I, when I take on the life view, the world view, the perception that I'm spiritually bankrupt, I'm worn over my sin, and I'm a humble person. When I take that to heart, do you know what that does? That empties me of me. And that's the point of Jesus in verse number 6. Is to lead us to a place where we are empty. Then Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Do you see the point? Now notice this. Jesus didn't ask this crowd what they believed. Isn't this interesting? A religious figure didn't ask people what they believed. Jesus is asking them what do they crave. Because the fact is, our beliefs do not lead us to our cravings. It's opposite. Our cravings lead us to our real beliefs. Do you understand? So, here's what I want to say to you. Your cravings are not wrong. The things in life that you crave, the things that the desires of your heart... They're not wrong. But here's where we, particularly as Americans, here's where we make it wrong. We pursue the satisfaction more than the God who can satisfy. 
And we justify our cravings, the, the satisfaction of them, we justify it wrongly. Now, many of you know that I'm a diabetic, right? Therefore, I have to be selective in what I eat. Now, don't let me fool you. I don't excel at that at all. I'm about 50-50. But listen, I could take my crave. Now, even though I'm a diabetic, I have a monstrous appetite, right? I wake up hungry. I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and quite a bit in between. I eat that every day. Rarely is there a day that I'll miss breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Rarely. I mean, I eat, right? But listen, would it be wrong as a diabetic? Would it be wrong for me to tell God, Well, God, you've given me my natural appetite. I'm hungry. I could eat right now. I have a natural God-given appetite. And God's given me enough resources, I can go and buy something to eat. Praise God for that. As a matter of fact, God has placed me within an alley shot of a donut store. Huh. So could I not tell God, God, you've given me my natural craving. You've given me the resources to get it. And God, you've put me within a stone's throw of a donut shop. So I'm going to go fulfill my cravings there. And would that be wise? As a matter of fact, a brother offered me a hot donut this morning. And by God's grace, I said, no, thank you. (laughs) And how often do we justify the cravings of our life? Whereas in reality, it's not the wise decision. I would be far better to eat some scrambled eggs than to eat a cream-filled donut. It's the same craving. The question is, what am I going to fill it with? Come on now, right? It's the same craving. But But see, my belief that I should do the right thing for my body should determine what I do with that craving. The cravings that you have are not wrong. The cravings you have in life are not wrong. The question is, what are you filling the cravings with? And this is why God would not have His people be deceived. We would crave... We... oh, And you know this as well as I know this... Left to ourselves, we will fill those cravings with cheap happiness every single time. And I want you to hear my heart today, church. I want you to hear me. I don't say this in judgment. I don't say this throwing stones. I say this with a shepherd's heart. There are some of you that you cannot figure out what's going on in your life right now. You love God, but you're not happy. You love your spouse, but you're not happy. You love where you work, but you're not happy. 
And you think that something major is off. And you think that something major is wrong. Because no matter what you do, nothing satisfies deep down. And so Satan would tell you, well, you need a different spouse. If you had a different house. If you had a different job. If you moved away and started over. If you had this or if you had that, then you would be happy. And I'm telling you, oh, my precious friends, I'm telling you, it is a lie straight from the devil. And there's no truth in it. Now, see, being a diabetic, I probably crave water more than you do. And I drink water all day long. Matter of fact, I keep a big pal's cup of water all the time. You probably think I'm drinking tea, but it's actually, I I like it because it's so big. And I just constantly refill it with cold water. But you know as well as I know, have you ever been super thirsty and you drink a Coke or a soft drink? Does it quench your thirst? See, the glory of water is that it quenches. It satisfies. That's the glory of it. And do you know what the glory of Christ is? It's that he satisfies. He quenches the parts of the soul. That sex and money and popularity and material things. And all these things that we desire, it can't quench it and so some of you God has blessed you and he's given you good things in life but you're willing to trade it in you're ready to you're ready to trade because you think whatever it is will quench your soul it won't my friends That's why God in his wisdom says, blessed are, you want true happiness? You want real happiness in your life? Happy is the person. Blessed are those who have their natural God-given cravings, those God, that hunger, that thirst. Blessed are those that pursue righteousness. In other words, the things of God, for they shall be filled. They shall be satisfied. And today, if you're not satisfied, may I propose this question? Could it be you're chasing satisfaction? And if you're chasing satisfaction, and if you're chasing happiness, I am telling you on pastoral authority, you're chasing the wind. And you'll never catch it. You'll never catch it. You'll never catch it. And you'll trade in those beautiful and blessed things that God has given you. You'll trade them in for cheap and worthless things that can never satisfy. craving is not wrong it's what you fill it with that could be wrong you say but Chad okay okay I followed you up till now 
And I get what you're saying. I can't pursue happiness. I have to pursue God. I can't chase the satisfaction. I've got to go after God that satisfies. But okay, Chad, I've got that. But how do I do it? Okay. Go back to the beginning. Are you poor in spirit today? Do you see yourself as so dependent on the Lord that you have nothing of value to offer Him? Do you see your sin as though God sees it? Have you came to a place where you can see yourself as God sees you? And is there a humility about you? Is there meekness about you? See, the point of all of that is to empty you. So my question today is are you emptied? Or are you so full of you that there's no room for the righteousness of God. You know, the worst thing about going to a buffet is that you just overeat, right? And you walk out of there so full, so stuffed, there's not room for anything else. Could it be that you're going along the buffet of life? Just filling yourself with all that life has to offer. That there's no room for God and righteousness. There's no room for self-discipline. There's no room for spiritual disciplines. There's no room. I don't know where you are today in this regard. But I know this. The more empty you make yourself of you, the more filled and satisfied you'll be with the Lord. I promise you that. So you say, Chad, how do I get there? Well, empty yourself. Empty yourself. And listen, this is a process. You know, I tell people in my counseling office all the time, I tell them all the time, you didn't get to where you are overnight and you're not going to get out of it overnight. Take the long view. Well, you know what? You haven't filled yourself with you overnight. It is, you're not going to empty it overnight. It's going to be a process. And this needs to be a journey, a walk with the Lord that you began to say, okay, God, empty me of me. And let me begin to be filled with more of you. God isn't against happiness. God isn't against satisfaction. But God doesn't want your life to be cheap. He wants it to be something of value. Will you go that path? Will you allow Him to mature you in the Lord? Father, I thank you for these scriptures how it aligns us in a world, in a culture, in a society that measures with all the wrong measurements. 
Matthew 5 teaches us how to really measure our lives. And in a world that says you're not valuable unless you're this, I'm so glad, God, that you reject all that. To you, the valuable people are those who are poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The empty, for they shall be filled. Oh, I thank you, Jesus Christ. Help us as a church to empty ourselves that we may be filled with you. We bless your name today. We honor and glorify you today. In Jesus' mighty name.